Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Did it again. Huzzah. It. There you go. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this me, guy. The out of work mascot for the San Francisco 49ers. You went that way, huh? Yeah. Well, I feel like it today. Like <laughs> it is a minor. Like it is actually a 49er, and he's not there at the. At the, the I haven't seen him in the stands. He's not even allowed. Like in the no. Is that what's happening? They, no, they let the Philadelphia Phil, Phillies creepy thing run around there, but no, no. Phillies or the uh... the Philly fanatic. Oh, and that's okay. Baseball. I know that's baseball, a whole that's different baseball. sport, but like they're they're not letting that old man run around there. It's just weird. It's yeah, but weird. Philly football is the one that has that still has the anti semite on the team, the, right? The Eagles. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, they didn't kick him off. Yeah, then they, then he's there, right? Well, I, I can't remember his name because it wasn't consequential, <laughs> but he was consequential that he was an anti semite. So I thought I might bring that up. Uh, um, but I don't like to do negative stuff. I just uh, being a Jew, you know. <laughs> yeah. You get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, and I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I should well, happy say Monday. That. No, no, you know right. what? Let's go that way. Happy Monday. <laughs> you know, this is what happened. I went to Vegas over the weekend. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm such a, ha- like, honestly, I'm a happy, positive, good, like, you know, decent human being. And yeah, Vegas? Yeah, I know I'm looking like Jason there. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> I got the beard. I don't know. I was just trying it out. I, I, I figured I'd go. So Vegas, I go, and I, I used to go all the time, but I haven't gone, obviously, in like a year. And, oh, hi, Nikki and Nancy. Nancy, I can't even, honestly, this is what happened. So I, I do Vegas the whole weekend, and, and the only, it's like I told you, Vegas is the reason there's COVID. <laughs> well, I it mean, seems like it. It's, yeah, it's, a place it's where you could It's a place where you could catch things that you couldn't catch since the 40s in a normal year. Like, if you needed to get <laughs> something that only COVID. sailors got back in the, you know, back pre-Korean War, that's mm-hmm. where you went. So it just makes sense. Well, listen. I think you're right, um, but it's worse. It's worse. And the, the, the aggro, like the, the type of people who are going in this climate, I think, it's like all the most aggressive people. Mm-hmm. It seems like a very slow, vibrating, like uh, epicenter, like where everything that vibrates slow goes to, to vibrate slow. Now, Vegas and L.A. are way closer together, but I still got to own it. Welcome to my home state. <laughs> Welcome to my homestead. But I didn't find that. Like, we I don't know mess. if it's. <laughs> we a mess. Welcome to my homestead. But it's pretty big. Listen, I like so many things about Nevada, um, but it feels like Vegas had got centralized into like demon hell. And yeah. it, it, it affected me. Like, it, it, like I, 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 I'm still shaking it off. And uh, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. But I got to tell you, I didn't realize, like, after you evolve to a certain place, how much uh-huh. that shit affects you. Welcome to my home state. <laughs> By the way, thank God there was our some good stuff to watch. It affects you. <laughs> it does affect And me. you'll never, ever, 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 ever take a shower that will ever, ever, <laughs> ever make you clean. You're still going, huh? It's like, you really are passionate about this. We could do a musical maybe about Nevada. It's like, it feels like a Book of Mormon in you. I'm not kidding. Trust, man. It's, uh, it's definitely, I love my, I love my Reno family and all, all the stuff in, in, in that area and all that stuff. But I, I can say that there is, there's some tricky stuff about that. And when you're gone for long enough, it, it definitely is a difficult thing for me even to um, get back into. Like, there's a, like, I think I've told you this. There is a, there's another person 
My wife calls Reno Jason. Reno and Jason. Reno Jason is allowed uh, is barely allowed out in Reno, but uh, he's a different <laughs> different person. Let me tell you something. Um, I the problem is not with I don't even like the problem, but the idea is not with the Nevada locals. I actually like everyone I run oh, into that's, that's a local. Right. It's all the people that come there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Welcome to my no, home no. state. No. Nobody's from Reno. Nobody's from Nevada. They come in from other places to infect us. All right. All right. We're done. We're done. We need to get to the Emmy. Speaking of award winning. I would love to. And, and amazing, <laughs> amazing award winning performances, we should get to the Emmy. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? That's so then we doing. should not waste any more precious no. time no, and we, we should bring our guests well, on, right? Yeah, oh, I got, go? I, I'm going to write some more lyrics while you are talking. I'm going to go, by the way, it was Rosh Hashanah over I, the weekend too. And so that you. probably was not the best. I didn't think about it. Time How do I big. respond so to that? Do you any... say happy Rosh Hashanah? Do I say no, Shana Tova. Shana Tova. Mm -hmm. Shana Tova. The Sinatra Ba. Yeah, in yes. ten, 10 more days, we're all going to be hungry and fast for our sins. One day, that's all Jews have to do. One day without eating is like a year of sinning. I love it. I yeah, love that's, it. believe me, the penance there is, they got it right. Nice. No Jew wants to not eat for 24 hours. <laughs> all right, without any further ado, I am going to bring on our guests who are, uh, in my book, very highfalutin. They know what the heck they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. That is Dan Feinberg and Leslie Goldberg of The Hollywood Reporter. Dan is the, I want to get it right, Dan is the chief TV critic, and Leslie is the West Coast TV editor. And you guys have a new, well, is it new, your podcast, TV's Top 5, or is it... Uh, we're promoting it, so it's new for us. So TV's Top 5 on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts. Leslie, Daniel, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. Uh, I, yes. I, I was not warned this was going to be a musical podcast. Uh, I, <laughs> I wasn't warned either. Ready. Okay. <laughs> no one was warned, Daniel. Believe yeah. me. <laughs> we're, all still, uh, we're all still thinking about it. It's in your head, though, kind of, isn't it? It's it's surprisingly catchy, uh, but also I still have all of my Rosh Hashanah prayers in mind because I spent the weekend praying. Thank you very much. Did you really? I spent Saturday praying. You diving a little? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. All right, all right. I like to hear it. Leslie, go Dodgers. Go Dodgers, yeah. I spent the weekend watching baseball. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you happy about that? Different. Yeah, dude. I mean, look, it's <laughs> weird to watch, but I'm just happy to have something that isn't work-related to, to fill the time. You know what I mean? Like, I love baseball. I'd go to probably, you know, 30 or 40 games in a season, but this mm. year it's, man, it's weird to watch. It's least, weird to watch. On, on Fox with all the like CGI fans and, ugh. It's weird, right? So I'm yeah. not alone in this. It's a it's little weird. strange. And then extra innings, it gets just ridiculous. It's like my, it's like watching my slow pitch games. <laughs> you play slow pitch? I do, yeah. So you learn about you here yeah. as a person. Yeah. And Starting with a artist. runner at second? Come on. No. Just slow no. pitch. Is that high? That's not high arc though, right? Uh, it's high arc. It is high arc. Okay, yeah. that's a hard thing to. Are you a pitcher? No. All right. Yeah. First base and and catcher. I see you're a hitter. Yeah. Da Daniel, Daniel, do you play anything? Uh, not actively, no. But <laughs> I, I I like hearing about Leslie's softball, so that's actively. Okay, good. I'm glad we threw that in there. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Let us talk about Emmys. Let me just ask you guys, what'd you think of the whole thing? Jimmy Kimmel, everything. Let's start there. That's a that's a big question. I, I, I know. Think <laughs> Unpack that. I think my first answer is that I went into it kind of thinking and not being able to get my mind around how much technical 
logistics were going to have to go into this. I mean, they had cameras in 134 houses. They had apparently a bunch of people in hazmat suits basically prowling the world with trophies, some of whom actually got to give people trophies and others just left. They, they passed away. Um, so the entire process of this show fascinated me. And I think all things considered, if you consider how much technical stuff goes wrong in a simple Zoom conversation at work, <laughs> I, thought they, I thought they did an amazing job. You know, maybe if we have to do another 10 or 15 Emmy telecasts tied to the quarantine, maybe they can make refinements and stuff. I'll I thought all time. things considered as a first time, it was really impressive. And Leslie, you felt the same way? Yeah, you know, I, I w went into these things just, I, I wasn't expecting anything, honestly. Yeah, like, I was just impressed that they were actually being, and trying something different, you know, going live during this, during COVID, where everyone's stuck at home all over the world, different time zones, et cetera. Like, it, it was an ambitious undertaking. And I went in just kind of hoping that they wouldn't, that the feed wouldn't cut out, that there wouldn't be some <laughs> kind of big technical glitch that would force us to say, oh, crap, I got to write a story now about the Emmy telecast just quit out and now Jimmy Kimmel is like up there, like stalling on stage for 20 minutes. Like, you know, like no one wants to write that story and no one wants to see someone right. who's attempting something big and historic fail. So I was, Agreed. I was very happy that they were able to pull it off. And don't you think that Jimmy Kimmel was, was like ready for that? He's such a polished guy. I mean, I really want to take over his show, but I can't, he's just so polished. I, do, do you agree with this? Like, I feel like he's ready for anything. Well, I think once you've weathered the most notorious Oscars telecast in history, I mean, once <laughs> you have been the guy at the center of the only time in Oscar history where they screwed up the freaking best picture winner, <laughs> you know that you have been a part of the most awkward moment you could possibly be a part of in your life. And, and also, once you've done Blackface's Carl Malone, you know that there's only so much you can do to humiliate <laughs> yourself in addition. Any further. Um, so, no, this is a guy who absolutely does know how to handle adversity. The fact that the worst adversity he had to deal with yesterday was that it took three shots for Jennifer Aniston and the fire extinguisher to put out the burning envelope. Otherwise, it was pretty simple, I would say. And that played great, too. It did play great. You know, anything Jen Aniston does plays great. Did you see her do the Fast Times at Ridgemont High thing with Brad Pitt and Dane Cook? Glorious. Sean Penn? Absolutely glorious. I still right. do not. I still do not understand how they got all of those people to do that. I I just don't know what the conversations had to be like. But you know, who you should talk to to ask is Dane Cook. He'll tell you. Huh. Let me know. I'll connect you guys. Dane will tell you the whole story. It, it's gone on and off. You told me so many times. So you know, believe me, there's a lot behind there. That was an incredible thing, though. I hope. But those these things can't get nominated. No. <laughs> right. It sucks because if that was on TV, it could. All right. Let, let, I digress. I don't want to waste your time with that. All right, so now let's get to awards. I, you want I digress is probably the, um, the, 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 the easiest way to say that statement. You digress all the time is what he means. It's like Black Lives Matter 2, I digress Hashtag. always. Hashtag I digress always. Okay, yes. So do you want to get, let's get into awards first, or do you want to get into validity of awards? Oh, God. How much time do you have? Dan has a lot I have of as much time as you'll spend with us. I have opinions on either one. So whichever place you want to start, we are right here for you. All right. Let's start with how it starts. Let's start with, uh, with validity of awards in drama before we get to comedy. To me, of those nominees, Succession was the best show. And so those Amen. wins for Succession make me extremely happy. On the other hand, I've been saying this since Succession premiered two years ago. 
Succession is primarily a dark comedy. It is not a drama. It is a show that to me makes me laugh more than just about any show on TV. So once you accept this is not a show that really and truly should have been in a drama category, it should have been in a comedy category, it deserved to win the things it deserved to win. So I, I was happy with that because I, I do love Succession. It was just miscategorized. I, I agree. Leslie, what do you think? Yeah, you know, Dan's the critic between the two of us. And, you know, I, I always defer to him when it comes to all, all the qualitative stuff. But, I, you know, I cover the business of, of the industry. And, and to me, you know, it, it's interesting on a bigger bigger level because this is HBO. And everyone last year was like, well, what's gonna, HBO going to do after Game of Thrones? And, well, Succession is the answer. And Watchmen <laughs> was the answer. So, oh, and you know, now, they're uh, doing just well, HBO Max, yeah. That, well, but is there yeah. HBO anymore? That's uh, Leslie. Is there? Well, yeah, there there still is. But you know that that's a bigger yeah. question that we'll probably be seeing play out over the next year or so. The mm -hmm. guy who's running HBO, his name's Casey Bloys. He runs programming. He's right. been with HBO for 16 years, working his way up to president of programming. He was just um, promoted earlier this year to a role that that also includes oversight of HBO Max. So, how you're going to start to see that that streaming platform? and HBO have more of a role in what kind of shows they each green light, that's going to be something that, that we'll see play out. We haven't seen it yet because Raised by Wolves technically was originally HBO developed Max. three years ago for TNT, which is oh, the really? cable network that, that airs like, uh, used to air like Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> so, and They're then changing their brand. Back. Yeah, I mean, just a little bit. I, <laughs> yeah, no one's watching basic cable. Basic cable's not getting a lot of, of resources or or budgets to continue to make scripted original dramas, which are very expensive to do. And now you're starting to see all these companies shift their focus to streaming, which is why Bloys just inherited HBO Max because he's, you know, look, he's led HBO to the most Emmy wins 20 years in a row. Including That's how long, huh? Casey's done that? Well, he's been there for 16, and and he's been head of the, head of originals for the last couple years. Before him, there was a, a string of other executives. But yeah, HBO well, yeah. has a brilliant track record. Right. Well, yeah, Chris Albrecht really started the train with it, and then we went on. You know, whether you like Carolyn Strauss's reign there with Lombardo, or you know yeah. Lombardo's reign, or what have you, I feel like yeah, Butler, yeah. right now, yeah, I, I feel like we're in the best hands right now over there. Yeah, I mean, he studied all under most of them, I believe. So. Yeah, I mean, it's he's got a good team, and what I'm curious to see is if that development team will expand their purview to HBO Max, because right now HBO Max has their own that's overseen by Sarah Aubrey. So, right. who's yeah, excellent? She's question. been there. She put um, Sarah Aubrey put Entourage on. I'm not sure if that's right. I have to look that up. Yeah, but, no, it is. Yeah. Go ahead. I I, I yeah. wrote on Entourage. Okay. <laughs> she went like she was there under Carolyn Strauss. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know more about her background. No, than I, I actually do. don't. Believe me, I could be having a total moment. Go ahead, prove me wrong. I love, <laughs> I'm wrong so much. I love being proved wrong. The, Jason, the, the please. Other, the the other day, he told H. John Benjamin about a, uh, a scene he was I, in. I was right. Was, well, kind of, but not really about a show that didn't exist. So, it existed. It was called Master of None. It was just not in the park. All right, let's well, go on. With a different person. <laughs> I think this is what we call you. We we digress, right? <laughs> I digress always. Okay. And I digress into <laughs> HBO. So succession. Validity, yes. Win, yes. I agree with you, Daniel. Is it under the wrong category? Maybe. It doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, that's that's sort of reflective of shifting in tone, and it's harder and harder to find something that's a straightforward comedy or a straightforward drama. And so I, I could get annoyed by that, but it's such a good show that it doesn't anger me that much. <laughs> Listen, I agree with you on that. If it was crappy, it would be a different conversation, exactly. I think. But it's so flawless that, okay. So what about Best Supporting Actor and Actress for drama? 
Let's see who I've already forgotten who those were. I, well, do you, I? <laughs> it's been so long since that TV show was on. By the that I mean the Emmys from last night. I know. No, no. You what you what you mean is uh, is David Crudup and uh, and Julia yes. Garner and right. Julia Garner. I'm Billy. not the I am Billy not the Crudup. biggest. Hmm? Billy, Billy Crudup. Crudup. Billy Crudup. I am not the biggest fan of uh, Ozark. Haven't been the whole time, but Julia Gardner is always wonderful on that show. And what don't you like about Ozark? I, I thought the second season was dismal. I thought the second season was astonishingly bad. I, I thought it, I mean, it sort of starts at the top. It pisses me off that it's a show that no one knows how to light. Uh, like, legitimately, there is dark, too dark, and we're just not bothering to try photographing things. <laughs> and, and the second season in particular, to me, really felt like, sheer visual laziness and the storytelling wasn't very good. The The third season I thought was a big improvement, honestly. So, okay, so let me say two things. I disagree with you on everything but the lighting. Um, <laughs> and the second thing I'll say is the, you now, if, if I, if I didn't read you already or listen to your podcast already, TV's top five, I would be starting after hearing your nonsense because <laughs> I want in on what the fuck you're talking about. And I want to argue with you because I loved it. Okay. But let's move on. Julia Garner, I believe, I agree with you, is fantastic. I think she's great, and she has always been the part of the show that I've liked watching most. Uh, Billy Crudup on The Morning Show, he's in a completely different show from everyone else. I don't think there's anyone who disputes that. I mean, he's in a sort of semi-wacky, vaguely comedic, odd, eccentric show that Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon are not in. On the other hand, <laughs> I really like watching the show that he's in. Me too. And the fact that every word out of his mouth is just a little bit off kilter. Like you just never know what that character is thinking. I love the performance. So I don't know that I would have chosen him over the three guys from Succession. I think one of them probably deserved to win, probably Matthew McFadden. But that being said, I, I really like Billy Crudup in general. See, I would have put Billy Crudup and Kieran Culkin in a steel cage match for that same attitude. You know, like they both play the same guy on different shows and Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon aren't on that show. Leslie, what do you think? I just want to watch that crossover that you just said. <laughs> but do you and like the thing is, I think if you, if you put Billy Crudup Leslie. in Succession, he would fit entirely as the thing. I yeah, think you could yes. drop that character into the world of Succession easy. Just let him play. No Whereas problem. if... Kieran Culkin came over to the morning show. Well, he and Billy Curtis would have a lot to talk about, but otherwise everyone would look at him funny. I think, right, it might not work as well. Okay, so now we move into, we already got best drama, we got best, a best actor, best actress. I mean, Lauren Linney gets passed. I know how you feel about that, Daniel, so you're good. Well, the funny thing is, I thought Laura Linney was fantastic this past Me season. too. And, and I thought, yeah. Do you agree? I don't watch Ozark. <laughs> The ladies and gentlemen, the West Coast TV editor. She all she does is business. She's like, I do the business that pays for Ozark. I don't deal with watching <laughs> stuff that that makes me feel squirmy. Okay, sorry. I, you can't get to everything. You know, no, you, you, you have to pick and choose. And you know, for me, sometimes you also have to balance Dodger baseball. So. <laughs> And we know which comes first. And now we're watching a little uh, trailer here for uh, Euphoria. I am the only person. Okay, so Daniel, we can argue about this. I'm the only person in the world who cannot stand this show. Um, I don't love it. I, oh, I think no, I, I think it is a show that, to me, feels like a show to warn parents how out of control their teenage kids are. 
And so to me, it feels like it's sort of strange and out of touch, like a kind of 21st century reefer madness. On the other hand, I've heard from young viewers that they really love it. And I think part of why they love it is because Zendaya is really good. And so you can't if you argue that. At exactly. All. And so if you have to honor something from the show, she is fully committed and going all the way with a really intense character. I don't think anyone had a clue that she had this performance in her. It just wasn't her background. You didn't and, see it on the dance show? And, <laughs> and, so, and so here she is. And I, th I think she's really, really good. And I think that it was one of the good moments of the night because it was one of the purest surprises. It shocked everyone on Shock. Twitter. It shocked her. And, and yep. you need moments like that. And there probably weren't well, I enough. Got, I got like the chicken that. skin when you're talking about it even because, you know, she really did not expect it. You know, I, I really believe, and she looks like such a pure person. Plus, let's not, let's not really though. I, I mean, pure in the sense of her artistry and like what she does and why she does it. Let's also not, I, I, listen, again, I don't like the show, but I think we have to give props to Sam Levinson. Absolutely. This is a guy Absolutely. who managed to take Assassination Nation and turn it into something viable, full of pulp that people are talking about, whether I like it or not. You know, this is a big deal. Uh, yeah, the, big, the big question that I have too, and this is something that I asked Casey Bloys last night was how do you make a show like Euphoria during COVID? And he's optimistic that they're going to be able to, to get it done. And that he said production starts early next year with the hopes that it'll be back on in, in, um, in 2021. So, I mean, without viewers having to see much of a big difference when it comes to the creative on screen, but that's a hard show to do without, you know, you're, I mean, I imagine you're having to do a COVID bubble for production, you know, yep. you've got a lot of young kids and a lot yep. of crowd scenes and a lot of, in, a lot of, a lot of intimacy. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. going to be a hard, hard challenge, but. Well, I know that Sam and uh, I think his wife Ashley produced it. They just made a movie with Zendaya during COVID that was up in a motel or something that they sold. And it's very good. Like the word of mouth is, have you heard about this? No. Yeah. This is a big deal. It's going to come out. So believe me, Sam is not a shooter. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. The guy is not going to be told not to show me. He's Barry Levinson's kid. You know, the guy's going to shoot. You know, so he's like, I'll figure out COVID. Don't worry about it. So she won. And I believe she deserved that win. Even though I don't like the show, I thought she did something I hadn't seen. Do you guys? I think that it's just such a good category. I think that if you look mm -hmm. at the Emmy categories, there is such a wide disparity between the quality of the performances in the actress categories versus the actor categories. If you look at the, the best actor nominees, mm -hmm. at least half of them to me really were supporting performances that got shoehorned into the wrong category. That you know, Yo, Steve Who do Carell, you think was supporting that got shoehorned uh, Steve, in? Steve Carell, without any question. That is not Agreed. a lead Agreed. performance. Agreed. Uh, I would say Brian Cox from Succession. I think he is, I think Jeremy Agreed. Strong is the lead actor. Brian Cox is secondary, is. So, which is, you know, no insult at all. No, none, um, but that's agreed. But, it, but then if you look at the actress category, those are all full-blooded lead performances. And if Laura Linney had won, I would have been overjoyed. If yep. uh, Olivia Coleman had won, who was going to yeah. say bad things about Olivia Coleman? I thought she was going to win. I, I think that she had the momentum at first. I think there's no way of basically putting your finger on what is going to sustain in the conversation five, six, seven months later. And I think probably she fell victim to a show that people talked about basically in November for a couple months and then didn't talk about as much afterwards. Yeah, because a lot has happened and the climate politically <laughs> and racially and everything, it's changed and rightly so, you know, but we're going to see this in the art. And the art's changing what's happening in the climate. And I think that's a good segue as we move into comedy because Shit's Creek. 
Who predicted that sweep? When was Literally the last time normal. we had a sweep like it's this? It's never been done before. This is the first time. The the amazing thing Go. was 72 minutes into the telecast on Sunday night before something other than Schitt's Creek won an Emmy. That is unprecedented. It is amazing. It is also, to be perfectly honest, a little bit boring. I mean, it's just <laughs> because basically it's this whole thing. Ooh, yay, we're going to go into everyone's living room. Ooh, it's going to be so fun. We're going to see all of these different Zoom backgrounds. And right. instead, we just kept going to the same tent in Toronto over and over again to see what was happening with the Levy family. And it was very sweet. And they were all very emotional. And apparently, because they're in Canada, they can hug. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> great for them but in, it was 72 minutes of one shit's creek win after another and no one could have predicted that at all I, I mean i was hoping for it but i would not in a million years have predicted it. i grew up watching eugene levy on sctv you know so for me this is like holy crap this happened but don't you think that this is a this is a slice of what we're seeing projected into our society now that we want good stuff. These tenants like with Roddenberry and Star Trek where it's accepted everything. We don't need to talk about interracial stuff. We don't need to talk about the things that are just normal. Let's normalize it and just watch good positive stuff. I think this was part, you know, the part of the, of the sweep that we're seeing is because during COVID people wanted to watch something that was uplifting that didn't have any, you know, as you guys said, there's no negativity in it. It's, it's a positive portrayal of so many different things. And you know what, look on our show, the last, we have a showrunner interview every week. And the last question that TV's we ask everyone five. is exactly. And the last question we ask our, ask our showrunner guests is what are you watching and enjoying? And so many people in the last six months said the same thing that they just find now that they've had time, they've watched and binged Shit's Creek. And it's because it's the perfect show for right now because it takes you to a happy place yes. and it gets you out of this world where like no one wants to look at Twitter in the morning. No one wants to look at Twitter during the day. Like the headlines were awful. It's like one atrocity after another. And here's an alternative. It's, you know, you have yes. a, a big library. You had the first five seasons on Netflix. The fifth season's coming in early October. Comedy Central just announced that they're going to air it on Friday night starting in October oh. with five episodes every Friday night until they go through the final season. It's on CWC. Like, <laughs> it's the show of the moment. And I think, you know, seeing Emmy voters having the final season up for that at this time when, voter, when it's right in front of, of voters, it was the right show at the right time. History making. History making, absolutely. And it's also, God, it's also, God forbid, it's a comedy that is intended to be funny. And I, and I do think that there's <laughs> something to be said for that because, as I talked about with Succession, there's a lot of back and forth between the genres. And I think there are a lot of things that are classified as comedies that are, they're not laugh out loud funny. They're, you know, they're dry, they're droll, they're ironic, whatever, but you don't sit there and laugh. And Schitt's Creek has the advantage of being a comedy that people can actually laugh at. It probably makes you cry a little bit. I, th I think it does a lot of very positive, visceral things that people responded to in this moment. Listen, I could not agree more with you. On top of it, you know, again, I think these are important shows, just like Lovecraft Country on the other end of the spectrum, which is they're important shows to move society toward where we should have been maybe a while ago. And now we're seeing these things, these pushes. And I'm talking about, listen, in Schitt's Creek, it's, it's, it's people are gay, people are black, people are white. It just, yeah. Like, now let's just do story. And like you said, Daniel, and I think it comes from maybe uh, Daniel growing up with Eugene and whatnot, but it was meant to be funny. We do jokes. 
And, and it's, you know, so many of the people at the top of the cast, those were the first couple wins. So you had Catherine O'Hara at the top of the show. Which, thank God. I mean, of course, come on. She but really, come on. To, to me, the sadness there was that it wasn't in front of a gigantic crowd in Los Angeles where she could have gotten the standing ovation. And Eugene Levy also guaranteed would have been a standing ovation. And the fact that we Agreed. missed out on that was, you know, it was it was the sadness of last night's telecast is that we didn't get to have those moments that, you know, make a show like this so special, ideally. Yes, I agree. I agree. What do you got, Jace? No, I, I, I just, it's it's bittersweet because I do love that show. And I thought it deserved it, and it has been not really received any of that attention for the last few seasons. But, I, I mean, The Good Place, I feel like, was another one of those things where it also mm. kind of been overlooked and was a great end season, and there's no more of that either. So it just was tough for me. Oh, yeah, The Good Place just getting overlooked completely. Well, everything did. And, and that's where... Right, the Good Place never won an Emmy at all right. in its entire run, which right. is my Weird. Problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We all yeah, but, but it's also Daniel. It, 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 no, no. It, <laughs> I, it definitely should have won awards over the years, and it's. But it's unfortunately the thing that happens. You know that. Uh, but that, why? That the, the I don't know that the Wire never won a single Emmy. That uh, that as as of Saturday night when Rick and Morty won the uh, the animated comedy, and you know zero against Rick and Morty, obviously, but. Mm -hmm. That means that BoJack Horseman had its run and never won a single Emmy. And that, to me, is, is, is weird. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. That's Bojack weird because it is it. amazing. I'm going to say it. I love my, I love my Dan, but um, yeah. BoJack, that last season BoJack deserved it. I, it did. It was, it was compelling the last season of BoJack. I have to say, it kind of. I still think about it a little bit. And I think one of, the, one of the, the issues that we talk about with these Netflix shows that are that are snubbed and, that, you know, you mentioned with The Crown that it was people were talking about it for, what, two weeks toward the end of the year and then it's forgotten. That's the problem when you're talking about do you release all the episodes in the binge format that Netflix has made famous or do you roll them out week to week and, and continue the conversation and hope that people will come in and jump in and catch up and then continue that word of mouth, right, over 10 weeks or 12 weeks or if you're a broadcast show – 18 to 22 episodes, right? You know, that's a long span to keep a show in conversation. And that's always been one of the knocks about Netflix and their binge model. So well, well, let me ask you this, Leslie. During Emmys? I don't know. Well, let me ask you this then, because what you're saying is so interesting. Will we see the business model change to the way the studios have done it for the Oscars, where they're going to save the best shows for the, you know, month before, like for Oscars, they come out right before the end of the year, all the best pictures. Are we going to see a business model change with the TV shows dumping and waiting? Well, and Dan can weigh in on this because you mentioned this on, on, on TV's top five a couple of months ago. There was one weekend where it was like a big one huge weekend where it was like the new season of Rami and then a bunch of other high profile streaming shows that were all dropping within the span of like three or five days. And I, I want to say it was maybe uh, Central Park, the Apple animated show from the creator of Bob's Burgers and a couple of other high profile Emmy players that all everybody squeezes them in just before the deadline. So yeah, I mean that's always part of, of a network strategy, whether it's whether you're a streaming service or HBO or a basic cable network. Everyone kind of looks at that. But if you look at what the actual big winners were at the Emmys, you had Succession, which was a weekly airing show, but that aired all the way back last summer, which at this point feels like 15 years ago. And right. <laughs> the, the fact that people still remembered the existence of that show speaks to how excellent that show was but it definitely it was a long time ago then you had Shit's yeah. Creek which was weekly in the spring and so that was actually top of people's minds but Watchmen ends up being this entirely unprecedented thing where it was a weekly show it was fall it didn't exactly 
fall off of anyone's radar, but I think it went a little quiet. And then suddenly these past couple months with the George Floyd, with the Black Lives Matter, with Breonna yes. Taylor, it suddenly moved from the realm of fantasy sci-fi back into the headlines. And I think without any question, the horribleness of the past few months had the unlikely impact of benefiting Watchmen by getting it back in the conversation. But there's mm -hmm. no way that you could reproduce that. You, you could never find <laughs> a way to say, strategically speaking, let's try to do this. No, it was, it was just the right show at the right moment. And it was also a spectacular show. So it had all of those things going for it, which... Yeah, you, listen, you know. I, I, I could not agree more with that. But I want to turn this conversation a little bit because I know we're running short, a little shorter on time. And I want to talk to you guys about your podcast. Because TV Stuff 5, you guys have like every top showrunner on there. Could you just tell, like, pretend I don't know your cast at all, right? Tell me a little about your guests and what you guys talk about because it's damn impressive. Thank you. Yeah, uh, well, we're a weekly a weekly podcast. We come out every Friday morning, and it's called TV's Top 5. We pick five topics every single week. Um, we have a format. The first thing we do is headlines, so it's kind of the news of the week that, that matters. Then we dive into three topical segments, things usually industry-related coverage, things that have happened during the previous week, whether it's an executive changeover or a show like The Walking Dead or Keeping Up with the Kardashians ending. Um or a new high-profile show that's coming in, we want to bring in an, um, an, an expert to talk about it. And then the fourth segment is always, almost always, a showrunner interview with the creator of someone behind a show that's either launching that week or in the coming weeks. And then the fifth segment is The Critics' Corner, where Dan really cuts through the, the clutter and helps people figure out what to watch and to, what to skip, too. <laughs> yeah, what to skip. And who is some of your last you know, guests? Give me, give me a little rundown. Well, this week's episode, or the one that came out this past Friday, we featured the girls behind Pen15 for an mm. awesome interview where they talked all about season two and even the obstacles that kind of are facing them as they look to return and shoot the remaining episodes that cut, that were cut off from the second half of season two by the pandemic. So mm. it's, a, it's a really great, um, great conversation. And um, this week coming up, we have Noah Hawley, who created and is the showrunner Argo. of Argo. Have you guys watched... The uh, and I, I haven't gotten a chance to see him yet. I have I seen mean. nine of eleven episodes, oh, and chance. when it is good, it is extremely good. This season, mm -hmm. the ninth episode is one of my favorite Fargo episodes ever, and therefore one of the best TV episodes I've seen this year. There are times wow. when it's overextended. This season is set in 1950, and it has. <laughs> two dozen main characters it is easily the largest ensemble they've ever done and there are times where it's a little bit exhausting where there's just so <laughs> much happening and so many people but when the good moments kick in when you get a beautiful shot that could only be on fargo or when you get a strange line of dialogue that only noah hollywood write or you watch chris rock or jason schwartzman or jesse buckley it's just uh. an amazing cast uh, I love I love this show so much. The first three seasons were all my among my favorite shows of their respective years, and I look forward to seeing how this one is going to tie together in the last couple episodes. Oh well, so I can't wait. So you have Noah this Friday, and you know Noah's really he's been directing so many of them too. Now he's turned into like the little like PT Anderson for TV. <laughs> like really, this guy he's doing things you don't see other people doing on TV. 
basically he found this home where they're letting him do things. And that's the amazing <laughs> thing that FX does with a lot of people that they did with Ryan Murphy for years, that they did with Donald Glover, et cetera, et cetera, where they basically let him make this very, very strange pitch. The I'm going to do a TV series based on Fargo that's going to have nothing at all to do with the movie Fargo, but that's going to kind of feel like the movie Fargo, but it's going to be a different story every year. And they just let him do it. And and I think that's an amazing tribute to FX that they gave him the reign that they have given him. And they give him the time to make the show too, where he's not on any kind of a schedule. The oh, same is that true? goes for a lot of their other showrunners too. Like they want to get the shows and the seasons right. So if that means delaying it or reworking something or a pilot, like why the last man has been in development for what, five years, six years at FX, it's gone through two showrunners, two lead actors. Like, you know, I think that I can't remember. I think they may be changing directors for the pilot, but like <laughs> they want to get these, these things right. So, and, and Fargo is a great example of, you know, here's a showrunner who, as he says in our interview this coming Friday, takes the time to get it right and, and use the, the, um, work from home and when the production was shut down to kind of review and sit there and say, well, this episode doesn't work to be super long. So we're going to split it and I'm going to craft it and I want to keep these things in and we're going to do add another episode to it. And this is a network that like FX that says, okay, do that. Wow. That, I mean, cool. this is all in your interview this Friday on TV's top five, correct? Correct. Indeed. It's a, oh, it's, it's around 35 to 40 minutes with no Holly and the, and the interviews wow. tend to be, in the realm of 25 to 40 to 45 minutes because it's just a, it's a full blooded conversation, not just that. a kind of junk. In the realm thing. of like 10, 15, 20, 25, 45, 45 80 60 minutes. minutes, no longer than 85 <laughs> minutes. It's like 24, you know, that balance. I love it. I love it. Good for you. Yeah. The specificity. I like that. Yeah. Let's if it's a good interview, we're not going to cut it off. Um, no. If it's the head, the former head of Hallmark channel, well, <laughs> and he's, he's spewing a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. We cut him off. You cut him off. He dug his own grave. Yeah, so wait, what happened with that? Well, we this is last uh, around the Thanksgiving last year. We had mm -hmm. the head of Hallmark on to talk about the network's holiday programming. They're the network to be every you know every December, and you know I, I'm gay, and I started asking him like you know where are your holiday movies that feature LGBTQ characters? And he mm -hmm. basically said that that's not something they wanted to do because that's not their audience, which is just like wait, he said um, that. Oh, I oh he dug he dug a grave and he dug it very very deep. And very quickly. It was it was less that he said that it wasn't what they wanted to do. He said that it was something they wanted to do, but not anything they were actively doing. And so it became I don't know this what's worse. Oh, it, it, the, the, the second one was the worst one because the first like one would have, would have been we're we're being homophobic and that's what our brand is. The as opposed to what it was was we're definitely not opposed to it. It's just a sheer coincidence that we have 31 movies this year, which are, you know, all <laughs> that straight don't represent any and, and the all, all, all straight leads, all white leads, et cetera. And within, and then the, of course, I think a couple of weeks later that there was the whole advertising debacle where they rejected an ad featuring a same sex wedding. And then that guy was out on his ass in January. Yes. Or, and now what are we sorry. seeing? Have we seen a change in Hallmark since then? Not That's a yet. good question. I, but I they don't, don't talk about it, right? They're, they're, no, we they haven't seen have a change. New executive, though. They do have a new executive. It's an African-American woman um, who has okay. a great Good. background, greenlighting um, programming with um, diverse <sighs> leads. And I think, you know, from everything that I've heard, this is, she's going to make these Hallmark movies reflective of society so thank god and, and, and you know what? the 21st century hallmark well by the way thanks for opening up a slot for someone who now deserves it because yes, that's what that's what your podcast on on the show that, later this year too you will so have fun. her on and that's what your podcast did 
honestly, you opened up a spot to lift someone else up that actually deserves to be in that position. So thanks. I just wanted to let you go. As of August 10th, it took a while, but they did. As of August 10th, a movie called Wedding Every Weekend did feature the wedding of a lesbian couple. So I think that's their first. Uh, Progress is slow, but I guess we'll nod at them and hope that this is not the last. And the other, you know, just to go back and plug our podcast one more time, you know, you asked some uh, for some other guests that we've had on. We have everyone from established showrunners to up and coming people. So we've had everyone from David E. Kelly and Mike Schur and Chuck Lorre to some new and emerging voices. A couple of weeks ago, we had Kathleen Jordan, who did Teenage Bounty Hunters on Netflix. One of my favorite interviews this year has been with Katori Hall, who created the Stars strip club drama P Valley. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, you know, talking to these different creators every single week. You, you hit the button again, buddy. <laughs> Thank God this didn't happen on the end of the No. So, so th- those, those are all awesome, awesome, like awesome, awesome interviews. interviews. Um, um, now he's echoing. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, this is what could have happened on the Emmys last night. <laughs> hey, we got all the way through this interview before he did this. So we're in good shape. No, I still can't hear you. Um, How about now? now, now there you go. There you go. Boy, I apologize. I mean, I, I, right after I said I should have Jimmy Kimmel's job, I can't. He has producers for this, though, right, Jason? Okay. So as he of also August, doesn't play with a butt. <laughs> okay, wait. What were you saying? What was the last thing you said? Talking about all the great people they've had on. <laughs> we're having fun. That's, That's important. Right. We're having a good time here. Okay, so where can everyone find you on? social media well you you can find me at uh at the fine print that's f-i-e-n-p-r-i-n-t that sounds right Mm -hmm. that's where i that's where i am on twitter how about you leslie i'm on twitter at snooted s-n-o-o-d-i-t snooted nice and tv stop five we can find anywhere there are podcasts correct apple stitcher spotify download every friday new episodes noah howley coming up this friday that's right You guys have been amazing. Jason, you have anything you want to say? Thank you guys. And I really just appreciate your professionalism. If I had partners like you guys, we'd get through this thing a lot faster. Um, Just (laughs) let me know if you need a producer slash co-host to just say snotty things and wear San Francisco hats. Um, (laughs) Thank you guys very much for your time. Very much. Please come back. (laughs) Thanks for having us. All right, guys. Thank you. TV's top five. They were awesome. That was great. I love listening to all them. And it's nice hearing, you know, Sometimes I go like, you know, like that, uh, you know, like euphoria. I'm, I'm with you guys. And even to a point, like I like somebody's talk about Ozark because it's, you know, we talked about it. It wasn't necessarily yeah. my, my type of show either. Right. And it's nice hearing different opinions and everything. That's not being, I, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> you're right. Having some, some of that stuff. And they're really, really smart. And they have a great show. Um, it's yeah, TV's top five. Very, very interesting what they talk about and all that. <clears throat> well, also what I like is the, the dynamic between them because she's all business. You know, and he is all critic, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, well, I haven't even seen that show, but she knows everything that's going on in the Roku Wars and this, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's almost like having like, you got your play-by-play guy and then your color person in a, in a sports, you know, in a, in a sports match, you know, like when you're watching yeah. baseball or football, you have somebody that knows all the stats, right. all the statistics, and then somebody else who can provide color to every piece of it and 
add different anecdotes and stories and stuff that, that line up with that stuff. So it's, Yeah, it's, they give you, but they don't know as much about sports per se. And with right. them, they both know a lot. So it's yeah, very yeah. it's very interesting. And, and they're getting these guests like Noah Halley. And you know, how much would we like to sit down with the showrunner hey, of Teenage? Uh, hey, you know what? I, I'll, teenage. You know, we've been doing pretty good. No, we're doing great. Yeah. And, and so are they, though. But I like hearing that because they're doing deep dives, too. It's really cool. And they, you know, they're coming at, you know, and it's different, you know, they're coming at it from a different perspective. We're coming at it from the artist perspective and this is more the critical perspective and on that side of the business. So it, it's nice to it. have shows like that. They're very complimentary. I wouldn't say, you know, I think, oh. I think your interview with Noah would be much different than theirs. Oh, and, yeah, uh, completely. And yeah. by the way, no, I'm not comparing it per se. I'm saying like, I like something where it's kind of what we do. You know what I mean? But yeah. that I could listen oh, to, totally. that I'm entertained by, where I'm still like, oh, that's super interesting. You're talking to that person about this, and I'm, I'm excited about this Friday thing. I can't wait to see the new season of Fargo. I can't either. It's going to be gonna so good. I've weekly. seen some previews of it, and it looks great. And uh, it's going to be interesting getting back into weekly TV, because I think this summer, obviously, it's always summertime where we get these things dumped, and you know, it's a lot of Netflix shows, but there is some season stuff coming out. So, uh, yeah. Ooh, when is Fargo? Coming out, do you know? Um, Can you look it up? You, I will tell you. Because I think it's pretty soon. Yeah, it's coming out pretty soon. It's There's enough. Uh, let's see. It is coming out. Nope. Fargo season four, September 27th. So this so next week. Oh, next week. Okay. So I don't have to wait too long, but then I'm going to, you know, we're going to have to do a, uh, and, and the vow's almost over. So maybe Fargo could be our new. There's the vow. And then um, have you heard this show um, on Showtime? Which one? Um, it's a it's another documentary they're saying it's the next uh tiger king uh really? love fraud love fraud love fraud you hear about this you hear about love fraud have, no. you, have you heard about this i can't do any <laughs> accents i can't do a johnny carson at all no i have i have not though love fraud love fraud love fraud is supposedly mm. the next like crazy cast of characters kind of show it's about this um here, let me see if i can give you some dylan i'm not drinking scotch i just saw that it's actually ginger ale if it was scotch, I'd be much happier. <laughs> Love Fraud is a new true crime documentary uh, directed by Hetty Ewing and Rachel Grady. It revolves around a man named Richard Scott Smith who used the internet net to prey on women in search for, of love and, and con them. Um, and it's supposed to be out of control good. Um, really? Weird and very much uh, in the vein of the, the next Tiger King. And has it, uh, is it a weekly thing where we get episodes every week or can I watch yes, the whole thing? It is, it is, um, it is a weekly thing. The first four episodes, the first three episodes are out, uh, the August. So this is another one we can watch, um, to win. You know, what might be interesting is right now the Val still got four more episodes. So oh, good. We, we still got a little ways. I didn't realize, but it's an eight episode series. Oh, good. Well, wait. So, but we just watched five, didn't we? Did we? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, th that just came out Sunday. So yeah, we'll be right. doing five. So we still. Right. Got, I think so we got so three episodes left. Yep. A that's a that's a there. big one. Yeah, there really is because if you look at oh, we're not going to talk about the vow right now, but they really are. You know, they still have so much to unpack. So it's a good yeah. thing that they're that Absolutely. they're doing. That's pretty crazy though. I want to go back for a second, like because I never listened to that episode uh, with the Hallmark dude. No, me either. I didn't. I, I mean, didn't they. That. That broke some ground, huh? He really, like, he got himself fired. Basically, it was that show and then another statement, and, like, you're yeah. out on your ass, yeah, rightly well, so. It, you, know, it, you know, now he's flipping chicken for uh, Chick-fil-A, right? He's probably working a fryer over <laughs> I don't there. think, oh, yeah, they probably will. Day, right? Yeah, they probably um, will hire him, right? They're the ones who, uh, so, like, oh, we don't like gay marriage. Yeah, so. It, no, 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 uh, straight marriage has been working so well, we should stop the gays from doing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. like, fucking people, man. Like who cares? Like yeah. I don't well, get it. A very select group of people who really shouldn't be in the in in charge of anything. Anything. 
by the way, nothing. Okay. Um, so the boys' new episode. Oh yeah, we got I want to think a minute about this. So, what'd you think? Oh, dude, it was so good. It's getting better. It's getting better every episode. I, I mean, this is this is incredible. The the way they're going. This, uh, you know, Starlight is really making her presence known, and she's doing such a good job of that. That with that character is just killing it. I like how they're telling the story both through the the story, but also like it has to line up with their their version of the DC you know Justice League movie, um, <laughs> which is a lot of fun because you can tell like when they're doing those scenes that this is a kind of movie inside a movie kind of thing. Yeah, but it's really kind of just funny and you know you gotta it got it's got to suck to not only be written out of your like if you think about it you're written out of your job and you're written out of these movies you're getting like you know I thought about that where A Train's like I'm not gonna do the speech and they're like. Ugh. Okay, well, you know, like they gave him a good alternative, but it didn't seem like a real alternative. You no. know, it's like you don't want to be fired. No, no, you, yeah, you just, yeah, you know. And so th these pieces are really interesting. Um, I, I have you read the comic? No, I have not read the comic, which I'm actually kind of glad about yeah. to be honest with you, because I don't know anything that's going to happen. Well, you know, this is the first time we've really seen black. You know, we've seen some scenes Noir. with black noir before. Um, and you know, Black Noir plays a lot bigger role in, than in any other episode. When you know, it's kind of this house, this raid on this house. Which, again, I think it's really interesting, and it's a very smart way that the um, the director did this. You know, I, you know, to to destroy an entire house and the the, the budget that must have took, <laughs> as opposed to like having it happen just through the crashes and the noises, kind of that Jaws. You don't see the shark. You see yeah. the you know the aftermath was a really smart way to do that mm -hmm. uh, with that character and still make it feel like there was a lot going on there. Um, but there's some twists and turns. Like if you, you know, if you read the comic, there's definitely um, who who Black Noir is and what not mm -hmm. Black Noir is, um, and how it relates to the rest of this season is actually pretty interesting. If if that's what how they end up playing it, and I'm not going to give that away because I I, uh, I even though there's we don't you know care about spoilers there. It's since it's it's a completely different thing and it actually hasn't been spoiled on the TV show. I don't want to. Let do me it. stop you for a second. Okay, I was thinking about this on my drive home from Vegas when I was getting back to my evolved self and I wasn't like, like get out of my fucking lane. So I was thinking about this and we started out our show on this tenant of we don't care about spoilers, right? Right. I, I was thinking maybe. And what do you think about this? Is like we maybe move that tenant yeah <laughs> and we maybe say like listen i want to do like we i don't want to ruin things for people it doesn't follow with our mandate of like love and positive stuff and like so ruining shows for people you know which is really what not caring about spoiler spoiler alerts that's why i don't say the whole thing scott when i say no spoilers no spoiler alerts because it's too many words that sound alike. Wait, so how is the mindless seasonal content at Hallmark in a position? Yeah, by the way. Yeah, he's in the position to be doing stuff that is diversified. But, okay. I'm glad that they put that woman in, thank God. Uh, what the hell was I just, oh, saying? just saying? Oh, so yeah, spoilers. I, I, I feel like, like, here's the thing. I don't want to worry if I do say something. So we might, by accident, say something. But we won't but, intentionally do it. Especially on stuff that's Let's new. move it. If it's old, yeah. You know, if it's old, you know, because things get dumped and you can't expect everybody to be as like junky TV junkies as we are, it's probably right. better to expect like if it's if it's been out there for a few months, all deals are off. But I, I try not to. And and this is something that's very specific to, you know, the, it doesn't mean that the comic book and this will line up, but there is definitely a, a, a point of view from the comic if you've read it. You know, it's kind of like knowing everything that happens in Game of Thrones, kind of, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Um, 
But it was right, a- so my friends who read the book, they all knew stuff, so it didn't yeah. really matter, right? You know, so I was like, don't tell me. But yeah, no, you know, I think let's do that because it, it's not nice. Yeah, no, and, but I and also. Wanna- yeah, go ahead. I, here's what I want to do. I'm gonna instead of instead of spoiling, I want to build a land of anticipation. Very interesting twist if this if it does come to pass and and how it comes to pass could be could spell out how um, how this season gets resolved. I'll just say I that. love that. I love that. And and listen, I thought also the effects put aside the um, the sound effects, which I thought were amazing. This episode, I, I thought overall this episode, and I, I the now you know me, I don't I'm not a um, a fan. Of sex scenes i think they've gotten passe to be quite honest i think they actually slow down a lot of films and tv shows unless they're very 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 character built or driven and i think that's what we saw at now again are we doing well i think that i don't think this is a spoiler but right. you know they're they're you know so just for your viewers in this scene this is so you this know, is they, a spoiler alert maybe toward the end of the show yeah but i don't think this is a twist so much as starlight it's not a twist yeah you know starlight and highlander do it right, and they they really do. No, it. <laughs> no, Stormfront. Stormfront. Yeah, Starlight, Starlight did not. Starlight. No, no, Sorry, that right. seems wrong. Stormfront. That would be interesting. Starlight, no. Stormfront. Uh, yes, uh, that won't happen. Yes, she does. She, her, and Highlander have sex, but it's not sex. It's almost fighting at the same time. She wants to prove to him and show him she's just as strong and powerful, and his, you know, he, she, 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 she he. He zaps her with the eye beams that would kill everybody else, um, and she makes them in like and, and they. She's like, "Burn my tits, bitch." Yeah, basically, it's exactly yeah. what she she says, and it's, <laughs> she's amazing. She can do. She pulls it off, man. Holy shit, she's amazing. She's, they're slamming each other against the wall, kicking and punching and having sex. So it's, it's yeah, rough sex much, with superheroes. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's it's very much that scene, and it definitely is a scene where, you know, for a long time, Highlander has been this you know Superman character and unmatched and. It shows part of part of this is a dominance control thing. Like he's been, he's so dominant over everybody else. This is this is a scene that shows just how much Stormfront and how strong Stormfront is. It it, it basically readjusts the entire system, you know. Yes. You know? And that's that's what I think is really important about it. She's basically through sex showing him that he does not is not as big a deal as he thinks he is. Well, and on top of it, you know what I think they're exploring, which I find very interesting, is this four chan world. And we don't have to talk about politics in any way. We could talk about it through this art, which is, you know, we're seeing her making these memes and how she has her people making the memes and sending them out like trolls and, and being effective in changing numbers on polls because of these memes. What are you going to say, Jason? Oh, no, I was just thinking about all that stuff the same way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something where... How but it's very it Republican, is, isn't it? I mean, well, again, I don't want politics, but... It's propaganda in general, right? Right. It's, it's, it's very pro- both sides. You know, and you, you look at this propaganda and you compare that against, you know, the, the flyers that they put with the elongated faces or the, the, the caricatures of people that they drop over, you know, back in the World War II. You know, what's a meme? A meme back then was these pictures, these really racist... Psychological and, warfare. Uh, you know, xenophobic pictures of Japanese people... Um, or the you know uh, uh, that that we're getting dropped out or whatever you know yeah. this this doesn't it hasn't changed it's the the mediums that change we're just doing it electronically yeah exactly yeah and they're really you know they're really exploring that and they're unpacking it in a way they're doing an autopsy on it in a way that's saying you know we're not taking it, it's uh, what is it bipartisan right it, it's a bipartisan look at it you know saying that both sides you know everyone's responsible and you know when his numbers goes down uh, who does he run to I did right, like the fantasy the sequence. He, oh, that fantasy sequence! I was. 
I thought it I happened. I was so hoping that would ha- that happen. Me too. I, I think it's too brave. I, I mean, it's a whole different show after yes. that. You know, there's no <laughs> way that show goes the same way, and you have to change everything. Everything. Uh, but I was really kind of like, oh, we're gonna go there. This is yeah. fucking cool. I thought they, had, they did it. I swear to God. Yeah, I mean, it worked. At that point, you know, there's no going back. You 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 take that approach, then all that they're building up to with the you know this has to it, it just gets flipped on its head. Yeah, but and then on the I, other side with Butcher. You know, because we, we really, what they did there was, you know, was very personal. Like they did with uh, Laz, with Mother Milk last week. This week it was a deep dive into Butcher's uh, history, history, backstory. Yeah. Was, which was really good. Uh, he's such a great actor. And, you know, the yeah. first thing I ever saw him in was that Star Trek uh, reboot, right? And uh-huh. he plays McCoy. And he plays this, like, nerdy McCoy. And then I was like, what? And then I saw him. Then he did Judge Dredd. And I was like, why is McCoy doing Dredd? And he's like, whoa, that's why. And then you see him in this, like... <laughs> That motherfucker's a badass. He should ne- he should play double Kirk, right? Like <laughs> that guy never That's really relegate him to the doctor. Cause that guy's a fucking badass. Urban Kurt, Keith uh, Kurt, Kurt Urban. What is his yeah. name? Kurt. It's like Keith Urban. It's like Ur- Keith yeah. Urban, but it's yeah. Go please, cause he's so good. Urban Urbane. You're, you're killing. You're killing right. Carl Urban. Carl, Carl Urban. Urban. I was close. Yeah. Who am I killing? Scott. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's just dying. Yeah, he's, right he's not watching. <laughs> He's not watching. The guests are gone. He's already, like, having a cocktail. Um, I was just saying something. Oh, yeah, because the deep dive into Butcher's character, this episode was really interesting that he had a brother. So the brother died, right? That's what they said? The brother died, and the brother looked a lot like... Uh, Huey. Huey. Yeah, a little Quaid. Yeah. And we get to find that out. And he was the one who brought Butcher down. You know, like, uh, you know, he was the yin to the yang and uh, so on. So, so listen, and also them stopping because he was ready to go kill himself. Right. Just because his wife wasn't into him. Right. He was done. Yeah. And, uh, he, you know, well, I mean, that's it, you know, and that's an interesting thing. And it's an arc. Uh-huh. You know, if you think about it, like all he has had, the only thing that's kept him alive was vengeance. Right. Yep. And uh, once it ends, I, I met Co- Kurt Carl Cobain, Urban, you smart Kurt ass. Urbane Cobain. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dylan. Um, but, but, you know, all he had to go on was that revenge. And then finding her mm-hmm. was, like, that great joy. And then, you know, to lose her and actually know that, like, he can't just get her back. Like, But is, well, let's is, talk about that for a second, Jace. We have a second, right? Yeah, we do. We got, we got a second. Oh, good. Let's talk about that for a second. Because, you know, that's a very um, male perspective, right? He lost her. Like, she left him. Well, she knew you weren't into the kid. Right. Right? I mean, like, so really you pushed her away so you're Never. not you 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 put you put yeah and i i agree with you he put controls on it right yep. he was the exactly. one that put stipulations on it not her yeah if he was like let's go we got the kid i'm gonna keep the kid safe he's my kid you know like her reaction i guarantee would have been a million percent different oh yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely he 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 didn't he, it was his fault and yeah he I wasn't in love i i don't like faults but it was his fault yeah you know, yeah, he I didn't mean, love the kid, and he said he admitted it in this episode. He would have given her up, given him up. Yep. He's like he's a multi-billion-dollar piece of vault property. Right. They're and not going to stop and, looking and for freak, him, and he doesn't. You know, and he hates, he hates them hates more than that, he loves his wife, and that's really the truth. And that's that's what it is. He hates well, it's a rape baby, and, and, and yeah, he hates vault. He hates. Well, he hates that more. she loves that kid. Well, she. Well, and it, the truth is, like, his love for her is strong, but not as strong as his hate for them. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's also his ego, you know, because he really, because that baby represents he was cheated on, you know, in his mind, even though she was raped. Because if you, you know, she kept the baby and now she loves the baby. That's a very male, you know, point of view. Like, how dare you? Right. Like, what? (laughs) 
Like, what do you mean? How dare I what? Like, right. have the kid, love the kid. Which part are you mad at? Right. You connected mm. to the kid in any way? Yeah. yeah, and it's not. Again, I think it, you know. When a guy watches the show, I think it's very easy. Guys, we, we'll forget, you know, she did not cheat on him. Nope. She was raped by him. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I mean... Which is I deep. You know, and, and, and with this show, I don't think that, you know, I, I think that they, they put the... I, I think they do a good job squarely kind of putting the fault on him. Like, he's made a choice now, but now he has nothing to live for. He's not willing to make the change. He's too, too hard up to his revenge. And his, like I said, he, he hates them too much. And this, right. this basically is the, you know, the deal breaker for him. And now he has nothing to aim for because he feels, I, I, th I think it's more than he feels rejected. He feels like, well, I don't have anything now. And the, the gas that made the car go doesn't make the car go anymore. So, you know, what am I going to do? And then, you know, that's where the friends come in. And, and that's what we saw. So it wasn't necessarily like there was enough action, but it wasn't, you know, really about the action. The action was really a backdrop. Yeah. Right. Right, exactly. It re I mean, that's. I mean, in a lot of these shows, which that are really great, that is always the case, and uh, The Boys is not an exception to that rule. So another episode, episode five, is dropped on Friday. If you haven't seen it yet, well, I guess now you have. And uh, with that being said, we have another great episode uh, next on the next day. Is that right? Yes, we do. And the next yeah. episode, our next episode, episode is going to be tomorrow. great. Very exciting. Okay. Um, we will, t we, you know, and, and thank you guys for joining us today on a We're great Monday. And uh, if so you guys fast. want more songs, I will uh, make them available on iTunes and wherever uh, good music is sold. Stay safe, stay sane, stay strong, Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Who, who are you looking at?